Jobs aren't won and lost during OTAs and mandatory minicamp, but players can certainly boost their chances of making the 53-man roster in May and June. Rob Rang and I are going to be breaking down some breakout candidates on the offensive side of the football on our latest installment of Locked On Seahawks. You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Joining me as always, my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. Happy Tuesday to all of our listeners. And as always, thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. OTA is officially underway for the Seahawks. Rob and I are going to be identifying some breakout candidates on offense, maybe some players that will bolster their stock here over the next three or four weeks. And we're going to kick off our position-by-position post-draft positional review with the running backs in the backfield. Now for your lead story here on Locked on Seahawks. As expected, the Seahawks opened OTAs yesterday, missing some key players on both sides of the football. You have to remember, Rob, that according to the CBA, even though coaches would probably lean towards you should be here, They can't make this mandatory. It's 10 organized team activities that are voluntary. And so you're going to have veterans that are not going to show up. And you're going to have some players coming back from injuries that aren't going to be participating. The Seahawks have some players that fit the bill in both categories. I think we got to start with the guys coming back from injury because that's where your biggest names are at. And in the secondary, first day of OTAs yesterday, I mentioned this on yesterday's show that – If you were going to this OTA to watch, you might not have known too many guys that were back there playing safety because Jamal Adams, Quandre Diggs, and Marquise Blair were all not in attendance coming off of surgeries. They're still working their way back. Maybe they'll be back for mandatory minicamp, at least to be uh, observers, but they were not at the field yesterday. So you had Joey Blunt, you had uh, Bubba Bolden, a few of those undrafted guys, and you had Josh Jones and Ryan Neal. That was the extent of the safety depth to kick off OTAs. Yeah, which is obviously a huge, huge story. Um, you know, but at the same time, it is OTAs, as you mentioned, Corbin. It is voluntary, at least in quotation marks. There, I mean, every every coach is going to want their players to to be participating. But when when they're coming off of injuries, um, as so many of Seattle's guys in the secondary are, then then you can understand why they would not be there on, on the field. But you know, to me, it's some of the other names that that were unavailable uh, to participate that, that I think are also big stories besides those guys in the secondaries. Again, Jamal Adams, Quadra Diggs, Marquise Blair, all out. Trey Brown, all uh, out as well at the cornerback position. Ben Burke, Kervin, John Radigan, out. DK Metcalf, out. Rashad Penny, Chris Carson, out. Uh, and, and then some of the non-injury situations. Kobe Bryant, Seattle's, you know, the, the rookie cornerback that we're very, very excited about. He was also out. Noah Fant is one that I'm kind of eager to talk to you a little bit more about because that is one of the ones that troubles me the most, frankly. Um, you know, the, the 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 veteran defensive lineman, Al Woods, Shelby Harris, Quentin Jefferson, and then Gabe Jackson. I think to me is is probably he and and uh, and Al Woods are probably. The, the least surprising 
uh, considering the fact that they are veterans, they are proven, they are guys that Seattle already knows who they are. But uh, but but certainly, I, I did have a little bit of concern for me with, with Noah Fant, with Rashad Penny. Uh, you know, those are the guys that I, I really thought might have an opportunity here to kind of, you know, be one of those guys who's going to be able to kind of make some flashy plays in, in the OTAs. And, and again, it's OTAs. I mean, Pete Carroll called it fake football for crying out loud. But at the same time, still, we, we've seen guys, Penny Hart made a heck of an impression a year ago, and he wound up making the, this team's opening day roster. I think the OTAs are still very important. Yeah, when you're talking mental reps, they're just as important as the physical reps, and that's what you're getting this time of year. Now, I will say this with Kobe Bryant and Noah Fan: It sounds like both of them were dealing with some off-field situations. Kobe Bryant left a few days ago with a family matter, so obviously it's fine that he's missing a few days of OTAs. He should be back pretty soon, maybe even by Wednesday when they have their next practice. But nonetheless – you're going to see some of these guys trickle back in. Now, Gabe Jackson and Al Woods, Pete Carroll said they won't be here till mandatory minicamp when they're required to be here. And again, these guys both have 10 plus years in the NFL under their belt. Those are not players that you necessarily are going to need to come out for these voluntary workouts if they don't want to. And I'm sure they're putting the work in that they need to. These guys are proven veterans. They know what they need to do to get their bodies ready. And then Rashad Penny. With a tweaked hamstring, a lot of fans were throwing a fit yesterday when that was revealed by Pete Carroll, but it is May 24th, okay? They want Rashad Penny to be healthy when they open training camp. They're not going to force the issue, and Pete Carroll said he was running and ran well yesterday. They just didn't want to force the issue out there doing football drills. It's understandable, again, this early you don't want to risk a guy that's maybe got a a small soft tissue injury that's going to be that valuable to your offense. You don't want to risk it with a player like that. Same thing goes with DK Metcalf. Like They're not going to rush him back. When he's ready to go, he'll be out in the field. He'll be running routes. But this is not the time of year with proven veterans to mess around and throw them out on the field when they're at like 75 80%. There's no point. If they had a football game coming up in a few weeks, then maybe things would be different. But they don't play a preseason game for two and a half months. So there's really no point in pushing the issue. Fans should not be too concerned about any of these injuries. Though I will say with somebody like Marquise Blair, with the injury that he had, I thought by this point that he would be back. And it's not like he has a guaranteed spot on this roster at this point. So that would be somebody that I would look at. And maybe BBK as well coming back from his ACL injury, you want to get back out there and get some reps because you are at competitive positions and you are not necessarily guaranteed a roster spot. Obviously a much different ball game for Jamal Adams and Quandry Diggs and DK Metcalf. They're going to be three of the best players in this roster. So you don't want to force the issue. It's a little different with some of those guys though, that might be playing for a roster spot. Yeah, it absolutely is. And and as you mentioned, Corbin, I mean, with, with some of the, the guys who are the, the best players on your roster, I mean, I, you know, cue the Allen Iverson stuff. I mean, we're talking about practice, you know, I mean, and practice, as you mentioned, months away from just even the preseason games, much less the regular season games. So let's not get our hair all gray, uh, you know, in, in a tizzy uh, about guys who are unable to perform in an OTA. How However, 
uh, again, I think it is a little bit alarming when you do have players who have struggled with injuries that are yet again injured. And, and so again, Rashad Penny, Marquise Blair, and then a guy that I mentioned before, Noah Fant, that is obviously coming from Denver Broncos. He's going to be acclimated to a completely different offense. Um, you know, and, and all of them are in different situations. That, that's one of the things I think that, that, that football fans in general just need to kind of remember that these are men who have lives outside of the gridiron. And, and sometimes family and other priorities take precedence even over football, as crazy as that might sound. Um, and, and so I think that there we do need to kind of just give them a little bit of slack right now. But at the same time, that is something that is a little bit of a concern um, that that the, the Seahawks certainly are going to be evaluating. Um, you know, I as a as a teacher, a proud teacher at Mount Tahoma High School, on a day in which educators are all across the country are, are kind of struggling a little bit. Um, you know, I still I understand sometimes you just kind of write a pass for for a student, and at the same time, I think that the coaches are basically doing the exact same thing. They have to write a pass for a couple of these players, but they had better be ready when the quote unquote finals start showing up. And that's the thing is that the finals will be showing up once training camp arrives in just a couple of months. Yes, Pete Carroll mentioned several times yesterday this third and final phase of their offseason program is all about wrapping up preparation for the real thing. When you've got bullets flying in late July and August and you get in the pads, you start playing some real football. So there's a lot of value with this. And with that said, we're going to look at some potential breakout candidates on the offensive side of the football. Who could be this year's Penny Hart that has a strong OTA period and mandatory minicamp and turns that into a roster spot or maybe a guy that is going to be on the roster but uses this couple weeks to really elevate his game and have a career year in 2022. We'll be discussing and debating here in a moment. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. They have reliably low prices for every customer, and they have everything you could possibly need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. They've got it all. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto parts needs. Visit rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there. How'd you hear about us, box? So they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Tuesday edition. This is your host, Corbin Smith, rejoining me after a small little hiatus, my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. As always, thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week, continuing our OTA coverage. As we kind of hinted at last segment, there have been some players over the years, seems like this is kind of a yearly thing, except for 2020 when there was no OTA period no off-season program due to the COVID-19 pandemic. But typically every spring, you see a couple players on each side of the ball that really emerge for the Seahawks. And sometimes it's a guy who was a practice squad player like Penny Hart, who has a big 
month during OTAs and minicamp and then comes out in training camp, keeps rolling, and turns that into a roster spot. Sticks with the team for the entire season. And sometimes it might be a guy like, say, Chris Carson coming into the league as a rookie and nobody knew who Chris Carson was. Suddenly Doug Baldwin was like, hey, you guys need to pay attention to this Carson kid. Rookies can turn this into a pretty interesting thing if they're undrafted guys where other other players, your teammates start to notice that guy's pretty good. So keeping that in mind, we aren't going to be looking at rookies for this segment necessarily, but let's talk players that could be the next Penny Hart or maybe a player that was on the roster last year and really has a breakout season in part because they enjoy a strong OTA and mini camp period. We're going to be on the offensive side of the football. Let's get a candidate from you first, Rob, a player that jumps out to you. You're thinking, you know what? I could see this player having a really strong couple weeks here and turning that into a big 2022 season. Well, Corbin, I love that you mentioned a couple of different running backs because I think with Chris Carson and previously at Thomas Rawls, I mean, I remember getting a text from a scout uh, with the Seahawks. The, the first couple of days that Thomas Rawls was on the field, and he was like, oh my goodness, we just found something. Um, very similar kind of thoughts when Benson Mayoa, uh, you know, kind of arrived in Seattle as well. So I think that you, you do see guys who just pop. They're just like, oh my goodness, who is this? Uh, you know, Seattle just got themselves a, a steal, either as a late round draft pick or as an undrafted free agent. But I, I think that it's important that we kind of focus in on players that the Seahawks fans out there listening. And again, thank you very much, all of our listeners and viewers out there. I think it's important that we kind of talk about guys that, um, you know, that our, our listeners and viewers already have a little bit of a baseline on. And, and so one of the players that I'm going to mention uh, is D Eskridge. Um, you know, I just thought that that he was a guy that obviously with D, DK Metcalf out, um, you know, w- with a slight injury at this point, um, you know, I, I think that, that D Eskridge has his opportunity here to really take the ball and run with it. I mean, quite literally. Uh, you know, I, I want to see what he's going to be able to do in some jet sweeps. I want to see his mastery, not just his understanding of Shane Waldron's offense. I thought by the end of last season, he showed some understanding. I want to see some mastery of the offense. I want to see D. Eskridge be able to use in a variety of different ways, not just the predictable, oh, D. Eskridge is on the field. I guess they're going to run a jet sweep here in a couple of plays kind of a thing. And, and so to me, he has the athletic ability. I believe that he either has or certainly should have the hunger to to build off of the flashes that he showed last season. And I just think that he has the physical talent to be able to do it. Uh, you know, so I, he is absolutely one of the players that I'm most excited about. Yeah, and I'm going to go with a player that's going to surprise some of our listeners, especially because there's been the conversation back in March. Will Disley. We love the player, but why did you give him a three-year, $24 million contract? That is still very much up for debate because the receiving numbers have not been there the last couple of years. He had really good receiving numbers in injury-shortened seasons his first two years in the league. That has been something he has not been able to replicate. I don't know that all of that's his fault. You know, The quarterback's got to get the ball to the tight ends, and that's been a struggle for Russell Wilson the last couple of years. But – Will Disley yesterday, and again, I don't want to put too much stock into one practice, but this is a guy that has now been a couple years since the Achilles Achilles injury that he had that ended his 2019 season. He's been pretty healthy the last two years. He made a beautiful grab down the seam in yesterday's OTA practice from Drew Locke, which that was an absolute dime. 
And it's a throw that Seahawks fans are probably not very familiar with because Russell Wilson just didn't hit on those type of throws very often. That was not a strength in his game. You've got to believe that regardless of whether it's Geno Smith or Drew Locke, Geno Smith was throwing to tight ends quite a bit yesterday. You've got to believe whoever the quarterback is, that guy is going to get the tight ends involved, whether it's Noah Fant, Will Disley, Colby Parkinson. Those players are going to be more involved with a lot of those 12 personnel sets that Shane Waldron's going to be dialing up. And I just, I have a feeling that Will Disley might be one of the players that benefits most from this. He had a very good relationship with Russell Wilson, very close friends, but that connection the last couple of years just wasn't there on the field. I'm already seeing some signs with both of the quarterbacks vying to replace Russell Wilson that Will Disley may have much bigger things ahead of him as a receiver, and we know that he's going to be an impact player as a blocker as he's been his entire NFL career. So I could see him making that contract that the Seahawks gave him suddenly maybe look like a pretty good investment if they can get much better receiving production out of him in 2022. Yeah, we talked about that a lot just last year, Corbin. We, how excited we were about the possibility that with Shane Waldron becoming the new offensive coordinator and knowing how much that the Rams had utilized their tight ends, uh, Tyler Higby, as well as former Seahawk Gerald Everett. I mean, the Rams use their tight ends a lot. Um, and so Will Disley, Kobe Parkinson, and the aforementioned Noah Fant, I mean, all of them. I, I, I am very excited to see how the tight ends, uh, you know, wind up becoming much more productive this upcoming season. And, and Disley has the softer hands of the bunch. Um, you know, so I, again, I, I think that that makes an awful lot of sense. I'm going to go to the offensive line with another second-year player here in Jake Curran. You know, you know me, Corbin. I mean, I'm, I'm an NFL draft guy. And, and as a guy who is born and bred in the state of Washington, um, you know, somebody who has watched Abe Lucas since his days uh, in high school, as well as at the, at the collegiate level of the Washington State, I, I really think that he's got a chance to walk in and be a plug and play guy. But I think that that is dismissing what Jay Curran is. And Jay Curran is a tough guy. You know, again, you going back to what some of the conversations you and I have had in the past, especially on the defensive side of the ball, I have just kind of hammered the table. Like, you know, Seattle needs to get some of these guys who are junkyard dogs. And I still think that there is room to find some of those guys on the defensive side of the ball. But on the offensive line, I think that Jay Curran can be one of those guys. He has already demonstrated that as, you know, making his spot as a starter um, as an undrafted free agent a year ago. And everybody just wants to pencil in Abe Lucas. I've been as guilty as anybody because I am excited about his potential. But at the same time, I do believe that Jay Curran has heard all of this noise about Abe Lucas. And it's like, hey, I'm a four-year starter for a Pac-12 school myself. I'm a guy who already did what Abe Lucas is trying to do. I'm really interested to see what Jake Curran is able to do. I don't think that this is a slam dunk that Abe Lucas is going to win that starting right tackle spot. And if Lucas plays well enough, then I'm curious to see if Curran is willing to kind of switch positions and see if he can be one of the Seattle starting five, because I do think that he is a starter in the NFL. He proved it a year ago. Yeah, and he played some guard last season. So that's something to monitor. Speaking of guards, I'm going to go with a player as a breakout candidate that probably isn't going to be a starter. So our listeners might be thinking, well, where are you going with this? But Phil Haynes, last season, we finally got to see what he could do in regular season football. 
He replaced Damian Lewis in one game late in the year, and then he replaced Gabe Jackson in the final game of the season. And he made a couple key blocks to spring Rashad Penny, including on his long touchdown run, made a really nice block at the second level. You saw the athleticism, former basketball player, the movement skills, the physicality, the complete package. You and I were excited about Phil Haynes when they picked him in the fourth round a few years back, and injuries dogged him his first couple of years in the league. And then last year they cut him out of training camp, even though I thought he had a fantastic training camp. They brought him back in the practice squad, eventually made his way onto the active roster, and they gave him a restricted free agent tender this year. So they clearly view him as a valuable asset. And I think the next few weeks, Gabe Jackson, we mentioned earlier, is not going to be there aside from mandatory minicamp. And who knows how much he's going to do there, even though he's going to be in attendance. He might not get many reps. This is a great opportunity for Phil Haynes, who hasn't played very many games in the NFL, despite the fact he's in his fourth season. Those reps are going to be big for a player like him that just hasn't gotten many opportunities during the regular season. And given the injury histories that we've seen for Damian Lewis and, you know, Gabe Jackson got banged up a little bit last year. I think that Phil Haynes is going to get some opportunities to play this next season. So he can use this to vault him into that swing guard status secure that, and maybe play some meaningful snaps for the Seahawks this next season. So I'm I'm interested to see all four of the names that we just mentioned here, some guys that have been in the league for only a couple years, some guys that have been around four or five years, and that's what makes it such an interesting time of year because you have guys like Will Disley that can hit five or six years into the league and really become a dominant force, and the Seahawks might be banking on that given the type of contract that they gave him back in March. It's going to be a lot of fun to see how this plays out. We'll look at defensive players on tomorrow's show as breakout candidates, but we're going to zoom to the depth chart. This is one of our favorite things to do once we get past the draft and we get into OTAs. The roster is probably not going to change very much for the Seahawks before training camp opens, so we're going to be breaking down position by position depth charts and we're going to start in the backfield with my specialty position, running backs, coming up here in a moment. I love brownies, but you know what I love more? Brownie batter. Sometimes, well, most of the time, I eat half the batter just while I'm making the brownies. Imagine if you could lick that brownie spatula clean and get some protein in. You're in luck because Built has a new creation, and this one is better than ever, the brownie batter puff. You heard me right. This puff takes protein bars to a whole nother level, and they're available right now on Built.com. If you haven't tried Built Puffs yet, I'm not sure what you're waiting for. Puffs are a chocolate-covered marshmallow on steroids. Delicious marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate, 140 calories, 17 grams of protein, and only 7 grams of sugar. Brownie batter puffs are the perfect pick-me-up for any day, and they're healthy. They're made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides a ton of health benefits. The brownie batter puffs will have you completely forgetting that you are eating a protein bar. So there's no need to pinch yourself. This is real life. Go to Built.com to get the brownie batter puffs now. Visit Built.com and use the promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order. That's LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Tuesday edition. I'm your host, Corbett Smith. Joining me as always, Rob Rang. Thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. We've reached the point where it's time to start breaking down depth charts again because the draft's now in the rearview mirror. Free agency, yeah, there might be a few signings. You saw Marquise Goodwin just signed with the Seahawks for OTAs, but for the most part, free agent signings are done as well. 
the Seahawks current 90 man roster is probably going to be largely unchanged when camp opens in late July. So with that being said, and OTAs underway, Rob, it's time for us to start diving into depth charts. And we got to start with my position of choice, the running back position. And of course, Rashad Penny is going to be coming back as the starter. The Seahawks gave him a one-year contract worth almost $6 million. I'm assuming that he's going to be healthy for the start of training camp. Hopefully this is not a lingering hamstring injury, but nonetheless, he is going into his fourth season or his fifth season as the clear starter for the Seahawks. And then behind him, you've got a young rookie in Ken Walker the third. they're excited about. We don't know what's going to happen with Chris Carson, Travis Homer, and DJ Dallas are returning. Josh Johnson coming back after being on the practice squad last year. And Darwin Thompson, a former draft pick for the Kansas City Chiefs that's got some third down capabilities closing out the depth chart. So you've got a seven-headed monster here for the Seahawks in the backfield. We know that Rashad Penny is going to be the projected starter, at least right now. But is there a chance, Rob, given his injury history, that at some point this season that he ends up ceding that position to a certain Doak Walker Award winner? Yeah, I think that there's absolutely a chance of that, Corbin. I think there's a lot of Seahawks fans out there who are arguing for Ken Walker to be Seattle's starter from the jump. Um, you know, Rashad Penny, I mean, as, as effective as he was over those last five, six games of the season a year ago, I mean, it's easy to focus in on that, just like it's easy for the critics to focus in on the lack of durability that Rashad Penny showed over his previous three seasons in Seattle. And and obviously the, the issues that the Chris Carson is dealing with this point as well if you are going to use the number 41 overall selection on a running back then you got to play him especially when as you mentioned he's a Doak walker award winner he is a guy that has the balance through contact he's got the vision he's got that straight line speed he's got it all Ken Walker could be an absolute superstar. He is a guy that I listed as as one of my absolute favorites for offensive rookie of the year you know, so yeah, I do think that there is a strong possibility. I mean, it 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 was difficult for me in our previous segment not to mention Ken Walker as a guy that that might be one of the real superstars of this OTA, uh, you know, segments here that the Seattle is going through because of the fact that the Penny is hampered and Carson is hampered as well. Um, but at the same time, this is a as you said. A, a seven-headed monster at the running back position for the Seahawks. And, and I think that that's something to kind of mention in, just in itself, is that sometimes there, there's an argument that if you've got three quarterbacks, then you don't really have one quarterback. You know what I mean? The same, I, I don't think that's the case at running back. I think Seattle has legitimately seven NFL-caliber backs, and it's whoever is the, the healthiest and the happiest and ready to rock and roll, I, I think has the potential to put up some just eye-popping statistics because we know how much Seattle wants to run the football. And frankly, I look at the rest of the teams in this division, and I think that they are all built to defend the pass, not necessarily built to defend the run. And if the Seahawks have learned anything <clears throat> 2019, you can't have too many quality running backs on your roster and your practice squad and so having seven of them that's a pretty good deal for them as they go through OTAs and minicamp and they get ready for training camp especially with the injury histories here now when we talk about certain position groups and we talk wild card this won't be as cut and dry but at least in my opinion at the running back position it's pretty evident who the wild card on this depth chart is Chris Carson is a two-time thousand yard rusher 
early in his career for the Seahawks. And he was having a good year a year ago before he got hurt after four games, ended up on injury reserve with a neck issue, tried to come back, wasn't healthy, and then had cervical fusion surgery on his neck in December. And he's trying to come back from that injury. And I'm going to stick with what I've said up to this point. I hope that he can make it back. I'm hoping that he's healthy. But everything that Pete Carroll is saying, the actions the Seahawks have made, drafting a running back at 41 overall, suggests to me that he's not going to be able to make it back, or they're not optimistic that he's going to be able to. But if he does, that's obviously a good problem to have. If you have a healthy Chris Carson to go with Rashad Penny and Kenneth Walker, that is going to be arguably the best trio of running backs in the NFL for a team that is going to ground and pound the football more than ever before without Russell Wilson. Yeah, no question about it. I mean, it's like having a, a brownie built bar and then finding a, you know, one a birthday cake built bar just, you know, kind of in the closet. I mean, hey, all the better. You know, I mean, that, that's the thing. It's it just, a, it'd be a good problem for the Seahawks to have if Chris Carson is back. And I agree with you. I think that he is the very definition of a wild card at this point because we know what an incredible player that he is. We know how, you know, physically just rocked up that he is. The incredible improvement that he showed as a pass catcher uh that to me is, is one of the most exciting things about chris carson that really just showed his talent it showed his heart it showed his dedication and so i feel strongly that if there's anybody who can come back from the spinal surgery that he had and be able to be a running back in the nfl then it's very likely chris carson but i'm going to go in a different direction actually with a little bit of a wild card and that be darwin thompson um you know th this is a guy that i remember watching him at utah state and of course seattle opted to to you know depart from a, a former utah state guy and bobby wagner now obviously with the los angeles rams and robert turbin uh previously as well the aggies put out some players and thompson is a player he is a guy that does catch the ball out of the backfield he has a lot of the similar kind of skills as what seattle already has in dj dallas from travis homer but darwin thompson might be that kind of wild card that no one really outside the Seattle's coaches and you know those of us who talent you know do a little bit of talent evaluation on the side that might know about um you know and, and so to me he is he is a wild card in a different sense of the word so he's another guy that I think is really going to be interesting to see how he is able to perform for the Seahawks in the OTAs mini camps and obviously in training camp moving forward as well switching gears now from wild card to sleeper now some of you might be thinking well what's the difference here well you know the wild card is a guy that's you know is on the roster you just don't know whether or not you're going to get anything from that particular guy a sleeper might be a player that is just kind of hovering under the radar you know you could make an argument that maybe thompson's that guy but for me i'm going to go with a player that is going into the final year of his rookie contract and because of his special teams value i think has a great chance to be on this team you could make an argument for DJ Dallas here too, but Travis Homer with his special teams versatility, he's the best pass protector on this team. You're still going to have a place for him. And last year, I thought we saw some signs of him improving running between the tackles. And oh, by the way, second straight offseason that I've seen him come to OTAs and training camp absolutely yoked. This dude is ripped. He So he is not a... 200 pound scrawny back like he was when he came into the NFL out of Miami. I mean, this guy looks now like a Seahawks running back. So you add in the receiving ability, 
the pass protection ability, a stronger, sturdier frame, his special teams value. Yeah, you've got Ken Walker the third now. You've got Rashad Penny, but neither one of those guys is known for the pass protection stuff. To me, Travis Homer is that sleeper to watch because he has flashed in spurts, and maybe this is the year that he emerges as one of the better third down specialists in the NFC. Yeah, you stole the words right out of my mouth. I mean, that, that's the thing is Travis Homer. I mean, I think that he is kind of in some ways, and it's sad to say from a Seahawks fan perspective, I think that he might be the forgotten man. I don't think that's the case from the Seahawks coaches or trainers perspective because, as you said, yoked. I mean, oh, my God goodness travis homer looks like robert turbin all over again i mean I, I mentioned you know utah state previously i mean i don't know what it is that the turbin and travis homer are, are doing but just their arms i mean they're you know just they they just look like bodybuilders and that can take away from your flexibility from your quickness um you know and, and that can be a, a detriment but from what I've seen so far of Travis Homer, it absolutely has not been the case. And it was not the case with Robert Turbin either. Um, and I think you make an excellent point about the pass protection and the versatility on special teams. That's something that DJ Dallas gets a lot of credit for with, with his special teams prowess. Uh, Travis Homer, we've known for a long time that he is terrific in pass protection. And I think that that's even more important now considering the fact that Seattle is going to have the turnover along the offensive line and obviously a new quarterback. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that Travis Homer very much qualifies as that, uh, that, that sleeper, that wild card. Call it whatever the heck you want. I am not calling Travis Homer as any type of sleeper or wild card to make this roster. I think that right now he is on the roster. It's going to have to be somebody else who's going to steal his spot from him, and we'll, we'll see. Uh, I'm not betting against Travis Homer. Now, let's talk last but not least, players squarely on the bubble. And maybe I could make an argument for Travis Homer because as many fans are viewing him as the forgotten man. But I'm going to have to go here with Josh Johnson going into his second season. And he's a player that maybe some of our listeners are wondering, well, how's he going to fit into this equation with Ken Walker, the third coming to town? Well, I'll tell you how. If Chris Carson is not healthy, which right now that's where things seem to be trending, that he's not going to be there. And you know that Rashad Penny, he's got durability issues. Ken Walker III is not known for his third down running back skills. You're going to have Homer, you've got Dallas. But if Josh Johnson can prove himself on special teams and he goes out and runs well between the tackles, he's going to be a guy that you have under contract at a cheap undrafted rookie contract for at least two more years, that is a guy that might be able to push somebody like DJ Dallas for a spot. He is clearly on the bubble. If Chris Carson's back, he's not going to be on this team. But he would be a player that I would keep a close eye on that maybe could vault over one of the returning backs in front of him because he's a physical runner with underrated pass catching skills and he's a very sound pass protector. Maybe not as good as Homer, but this is a kid that will he'll give he'll give you maximum effort and he is technically sound in that part of his game. So, he would be the one that's squarely on the bubble that I do think you should keep a close eye on. No, I agree. I mean, as I mentioned before, I think all seven of these backs are legitimate NFL guys. I mean, and because of that, and I, and I hate to say it this way because I some will say that I'm kind of copping out in the answer. I think all four of the backs on you know that you listed previously are technically on the bubble. 
I mean, obviously, Rashad Payne is going to make this roster. Obviously, Ken Walker is going to make this roster. I think you can make an argument that Chris Carson might be the one who is most on the bubble because of just the durability concerns. Seattle would save money if they were to release him, um, you know, due to the injuries. But you don't want to release him if you think that he has any chance of playing because he is a a two-time thousand-yard rusher and one of the more physical, one of the tougher kind of backs in, in all of the NFL. I mean, we, we said before when, when everybody was talking about, you know, let Russ cook. And I used to kind of say that, well, Chris Carson's the guy who sits the table, you know, that is kind of supposed to be a little bit comical, I suppose, in a pathetic, I guess, kind of way. But it also, it was true about that Chris Carson was the guy who actually was the guy on, on Seattle's office that really did kind of, you know, just make their you know Seattle's offense uh you know impose its will at times. But I, I still think that, that Carson is going to be a guy that is very much on the bubble. All four of those other running backs you mentioned, Josh Johnson, talented player, but at the same time I have a hard time under you know recognizing how he is going to be able to leap Travis Homer in DJ Dallas if he is as healthy as I expect. And I talked talked about before with Darwin Thompson. To me, he is a guy that his versatility is really intriguing as well. So again, it, it is a difficult spot at this point as far as who are the guys on the bubble. I, I think that there's a number of them. The most on the bubble, the guy on the outside looking in at this point, I think that you're absolutely right. It's got to be Josh Johnson. Um, and then again, Chris Carson. While it breaks my heart to six, I think that he is the toughest of all seven of these backs. But at the same time, if he just physically cannot do it, then Seattle's going to, I mean, Seattle just got rid of a a, a future Hall of Fame quarterback and and linebacker. You don't think that they're going to be willing to cut loose with a running back if that is indeed the situation they're kind of dealt with. Even a guy who is a favorite like Chris Carson is a Pete Carroll's. I think that they would. So if you just ask me who is the guy most on the bubble at this point, I still think you have to kind of focus in on number 32, Chris Carson. Yeah, and you mentioned the injury factor. That's something to keep in mind. This is the position that has the highest injury attrition rate. And so we could get to middle of training camp and one of these two guys could already be banged up. And that will be part of the story on who ends up making the team, who winds up getting a practice squad spot. But they have built pretty darn good depth with seven quality running backs. And it'll be a fun group to watch, especially if Chris Carr is able to play again. That's really going to add a lot of intrigue to the competition when we get to July and August for training camp and the preseason. As always, thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. Now make Locked On NFL your second listen. The schedule may be dark this time of year, but the NFL never stops, and neither does Locked On NFL. Get insights and opinions from hosts, including Ross Jackson, Chris Carter, and Tony Wiggins, plus local Locked On NFL hosts repping all 32 squads. There's no off-season for real fans, so make sure you're subscribed to the Locked On NFL podcast on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang. Make sure to subscribe to Locked On Seahawks, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, all major platforms, plus streaming five days a week on YouTube. Coming up on our Wednesday episode, we're going to look at some breakout candidates for the Seahawks at OTAs on the defensive side of the football, and we're going to shift over to the linebacker group for our position-by-position depth chart review. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. Go Hawks.